Welcome to the Politics of Everything. I'm Amber Danes, your host and podcast producer. This is a half hour of power, a podcast dropping every week where I unpack the politics of everything, from money to motherhood, nutrition to narcissism, startups to secularism, the environment, quality, and much, much more. Our guests are seasoned in the field or topic of their choice, even if you've not heard of them yet. This is a non-partisan show. So while I love exploring varied views and get a buzz from a healthy debate of ideas, this is not a purely blue, white, green program. Please subscribe, tune in and enjoy the politics of everything. Do you ever think about your life's work, the sum of all part, what you'll stand for once you retire or finish your public life as such? Well, my guest today, Sarah Nelson, has joined us as a Chief Legacy Officer and advisor to leaders and teams offering individual and group sessions to create their own legacy statement, which is pretty powerful stuff. I've looked it up and building a legacy means creating something enduring that can be passed on. And this might be a physical business or something that you know you want to do in terms of a cause. A business legacy is not simply a thing, such as a startup or product, but the ability to endure through generations long after you are physically gone from this earth. Now, Sarah and I have had a few moments of intersecting work and life paths, and so it was probably high time that she came onto the politics of everything. Her associations with St. Catharines, which is my alma mater, and in past episodes of this show, I've interviewed former employee there, Daisy Turnbull, who's also founder of Lifeline Bondi. And Sarah's work colleague, Carrie Kwan, who's co-founder of Mums & Co, has also been on this show and now Sarah is my guest. So a little bit about Sarah. She's got a passion for Australian entrepreneurship and bringing community together. She's an active member of her local community through volunteering for Lifeline Australia, Centennial Parklands and the local PNF. Sarah found legacy through senior roles across government, tertiary and private sector as a way to link brand operations, reduce risk, scale impact. She's enjoyed 20 years in brand and project delivery, including retail, starting her career as a buying assistant with Polo Ralph Lauren, and moving into marketing communications via a short stint in PR with government for Department of Planning. And then came the $10 billion redevelopment of Barangaroo before picking up an operational role with the unprecedented collaboration between New South Wales University and TAFE New South Wales with the Sydney School of Entrepreneurship. Now, more recently, she's begun her consulting work as Chief Legacy Officer, guided by her own legacy statement. And since 2020, she has been Chief of Staff with Mums & Co, an Australian community and digital platform supporting business-owning mothers, and I'm a member as well. She's lived in lots of fascinating places, including Mumbai, London, Melbourne, New York, and now Sydney is her home. In her own words, Sarah says, you are the boss of your life, however, you're not alone. A good leader communicates, see yourself as the CEO or prime minister of your life and constantly share your legacy with your teams and direct reports to bring about aspects of your life to alignment, focusing on priorities such as saving time, we all love that, and identifying gaps such as reducing risk. So today we're going to deep dive into the politics of legacy and welcome to the show, Sarah. Thank you, Amber. Lovely to be here. Podcasting remotely can be challenging, but it doesn't have to be. Since 2017, I have relied on Zencaster's all-in-one web-based solution to make the process quick and painless, the way podcasting should be. If you know me, I'm pretty obsessed with quality guests, quality content and quality sound, and that's what Zencaster allows me to do. Not to mention it's really easy to use, even for my guests that aren't particularly tech savvy. There's nothing to download. They just click on the link and we start recording. 
Zencaster is all about making your podcasting experience easy and with everything from local recording to automatic post-production all in the one tool, you don't have to leave your browser to get each episode done. I want you to have the same great experience that I do for all my podcasts and content needs. So I have a special offer for you. If you go to zen.ai forward slash politics of everything and enter this promo code, you'll get 30% off in your first three months when you sign up to Zencaster Pro. That's Z-E-N dot A-I, politics of everything. It's now time to share your story. So you've obviously had a really interesting career and lots of twists and turns like a lot of us have. Do you remember what you wanted to be as a kid and did you get there? I remember the feeling. I remember the feeling of really liking to do things the right way but with a creative flair. And I loved that feeling of hosting people, of bringing people together all towards something important, whether it was my very important, you know, sixth birthday party or a funeral even, um, but just those big group um, milestones and, and moments was that that sense of okay this is this is this is really good work here so that, yeah there wasn't one idea but in the beginning to think about my career it was pretty clear that that business could create those opportunities to do important work and creatively bring people together my undergraduate was the the double arts and media degree at Sydney Uni and I majored in industrial relations. And then, as you've outlined in your bio, my, my first job was with Polo Ralph Lauren, which was just, I mean, first of all, the, the team were phenomenal and, and many of us are still in touch, but it was just that link of leading with the brand, but the brand through every single aspect of the business and, and just the power of how that brand brought, brings so many people around the world together. So, yeah, which, and then legacy is, is really continuing that, that power that I got that first glimpse of at, at Polo Ralph Lauren. And, and it's so nice bringing people together with all of the teams in their lives. So I think I got there. Excellent. Well, it's just fascinating to, to dive into this idea of legacy. Tell us a little bit how you work with clients in your chief legacy officer consulting role. What is that process like? Just kind of give us a sort of where we start and where we end and how we get there kind of summation if you can. Yeah, so it's a process, a series of checkpoints. I like to start with integrating and and revisiting any coaching or personal growth work and and professional capabilities and skills work that you've done because I find that starting with your strengths is a really good example where you can find pockets of of green shoots or or wins and runs on the board already where you feel like you've already accomplished and you're already working towards something and so I start with your, your character strength. So they're just that that superpower and those fundamental beliefs to guide you as we go throughout the process. And, and then it's taking that, that position and that framing that you are the CEO of your life. And so I, I rely on the design of an organizational structure. And I ask people to draw the teams around you in the way that the company has got finance and legal and HR and marketing and procurement, who are the teams reporting to you? And I try to get those those down to, you know, somewhere between three and six teams that are, are your direct report, so to speak. And then we, we pause on that. So we've got your strengths. We've got a bit of a, a mind map or an organisational chart of, of who reports into you. And then we, go, then we go back. Then we go into how you were coded what you've collected, and then what you'd like to craft. 
your coding is are those early experiences often outside our control, really foundational stuff. So the era you were born into, the people around you, the rituals and the practices around major life milestones. And I ask you to reflect on them and to decide is it as the way you are coded is it something that you are going to continue in your life is it something that you're going to continue to use as a foundation to then base what the proactive legacy that will we're now beginning to craft so that's the coding phase and then there's the collecting so when you know we're in our teens and our sort of formative early decades we're a little bit more conscious and we're beginning to curate those next steps in life. So our experiences, where did you travel? Who were you in a relationship with? What kind of identity did you gravitate towards and start to flesh out? And our education, so what are the certifications, the qualifications and the career decisions that you've collected, you've picked up, you've gathered along the way? And just those other formative participation and interactions that have really you know, upon that hard coding that you can't really control, what have you gathered? And then upon these experiences and that reflection on those probably first two or three decades of your life, you're at that point of of making a decision on what you proactively like to craft. And so you get, and this is kind of the very iterative, organic part of the process, it's really storytelling and weaving all the different elements and and then thinking about what what do you wish for what's that vision that you would like to have and and you would like to lead and then align with that vision going back to your strengths what do you already know to be true and then from that uh, there's this sort of bubbling sense in, in your stomach and hopefully you'll a phrase or a word or a statement a feeling will begin to come to mind. It will begin to become apparent and I call that your legacy statement and that's when you visualise everything in alignment and it's that you might like to call it a mantra, you might like to call it your legacy statement, that purpose statement. It's just that that sense of now you've got this this line to guide you as a decision-making framework. What a process. I mean, does this take months, weeks, years? How long does it take? Or it's not about the time, it's just about the process. It typically you get a sense of it quite quickly because it's, you know, it's a really, really deep and thorough and intimate process, but very guided. And so sort of like 20 minutes each, you know, your strengths, if you haven't done them before, you can do an online quiz and you can get them in about 15 minutes. Coding and collecting, I allow about 20 minutes each. And then it's a 20-minute or so conversation. So you can absolutely get there over a lunch. And then it's really about sitting with it and, and feeling, does, does that work? And a good way to test it is uh, how do I spend my money? How do I spend my time? What are the contents of my fridge? And if you're asking yourself this question of is that my legacy, like, oh, there's a few words that stick out or maybe that felt like I was overreaching or it wasn't really authentic. And so that totally allow it to iterate and be organic over time but you can definitely get a really solid first pass in an hour or so. Wow that's incredible. I love this idea that you espouse which is that legacy starts now and I think traditionally many of us have seen it as almost the later life focus perhaps once you're retiring once you're wrapping up I guess some of your public life activities a life stage thing perhaps where your family have all grown up and you are really able to think about 
how you're going to spend the last third of your life, for example. Give us some examples of why you think legacy starts now and why it's important to sort of harness that earlier than perhaps we traditionally have thought about it. Mm. There, are, there are four points to the why legacy starts now. The first one is it's the first yoga sutra. So it's a, you know, a philosophical starting point that, and it's, you know, mindfulness and being present. Like if not now, then when, <laughs> you know, and, and practically I'll, I'll, the example is I've, you know, I've seen in teams that I've worked with as a marketer, I've been in situations where another team in the same company had vastly different priorities and a very different narrative and way that they were going to the market or going to stakeholders and it was and it created a problem having that that disconnect and that incongruence between one team and another in the same company created this massive risk which inevitably was left to the the (laughs) branding and the marketing team to fix and you can't just you know slap a logo or, or, you know, slap some kind of like PR campaign to fix it. It needs the, the best companies, the best leadership is that phenomenally integrated and consistent style. And I think the rise of cancel culture that we're seeing now is symptomatic that for so long leadership and operations was pretty scattergun and there wasn't that, that cohesive narrative. So we've seen examples in, in the corporate world and of what happens if legacy isn't now and if legacy isn't everything. And also that, you know, that sense of if you want to go fast, go alone, but if you want to go far, go together. So how can you like weave in that consistent story, weave in those relationships across everything that you do? Because two other reasons, it's amazing for our brains to celebrate wins no matter how small because it neurologically rewires our brain to recognize more success. So if you if you're constantly telling yourself your legacy and if you're constantly sharing your legacy with others and using it as a unifying element for you all to achieve, you know work towards and achieve then that's going to help you recognize and invest in more returns for that legacy. Not to mention it's kind of like superannuation that Yes, you can hope to be incredibly wealthy and, and pay for your retirement by, by, you know, a windfall at age 59, but it's much easier to start start small and rely on the, the beauty of compound interest along the way. So legacy is absolutely now for that philosophy. It's, it's mindfulness, but also for that communication to build your relationships and invest and, you know, enjoy the returns along the way. Absolutely. Your own legacy statement is, and I quote, rebranding Australia through the divine feminine. Obviously, you you do that in everything you do. you working at Mums & Co., for example, volunteering with Lifeline to support mental health and, you know, even your, your, your kind of personal time. You talk about having time in nature, trusting your intuition, and then how you nurture your family and friendships is all that connection to that divine feminine, which you mentioned. Do you think your legacy statement may evolve over time because you've obviously got a long long life hopefully ahead of you and do you see that in others where it can sort of ebb and weave and change as their life does? I see particular words in a legacy statement mean different things at different times. So, you know, a, a very personal example is that my legacy statement is rebranding Australia through the divine feminine, as you said, and sometimes 
saying the divine feminine. I'm like, what's that? <laughs> like, and that's just, it just landed. It, it just came. And sometimes I feel a little bit nervous about it because it's a bit woo-woo. But then other times, like when I, you know, reflect on, like I saw this morning that we've got the first all-female space station. Like we're just living at this phenomenal time of for women and that sense of, of trusting the process and, you know, it's it's there for a reason. So I, I my relationship with different words in my legacy statement changes according to lots of different things. And I see that in my clients. And so I, I, you know, was with one recently and she's got a phenomenal statement, but there's one word in particular, which is very, very, very strong at the moment. So I, I love having the whole statement, but I also allow that flexibility to find the nuances and new and new interpretations in, in every single individual word of, of that statement. But I'm, I think I think it's a really good challenge to have is the statement that in, that comes up for you is that something that you would feel comfortable in, with in 5 minutes or 50 years and if if the answer is yes then you're probably onto a pretty good thing Absolutely. I think that's a great summation of what's a very complicated idea for a lot of people who may not be familiar with it. So philanthropy and giving or volunteering is often a main pillar or, you know, part of people's legacy that they want to create and shape in my experience. Having worked, I've got a master's in philanthropy and I saw a lot of models of that over the years I've worked with different organisations. Do you think that's an important part of someone's legacy? Does it always have to have that element to it or can it just be a lot more sort of work orientated or career orientated or, you know, business, if you like? What, what's your view on that? My view is that your legacy is how you spend or how you would like to spend your resources. So your effort, your money and your time. And I advocate that we need to be really conscious with how we spend our resources. And philanthropy or community volunteering or giving or, you know, in, in that the, the broadest church of it all, however you would like to spend and however best you can spend your time in alignment with the legacy that you would like to live with and lead with, that's, that, is my, that, that is my recommendation for how you should consider it. I don't think having a legacy means that you need to start thinking about donating. It's just that investigation of what makes you feel really good and what delivers you impact. And if that's giving, which is a pretty fabulous way to (laughs) to drive happiness, and I personally think that Australia needs to develop that culture a little bit more, I I would always recommend philanthropy and volunteering and giving. But it's for, for the individual it's that once you've got your legacy statement, then you can use it to, to audit and do like a gap analysis of where where is your legacy not in your life and, and it might be giving and volunteering. And for some people it could be about time. If they're at a certain point in their life, they might have ageing parents, young children, full-on career. There could be other or health reasons even. Like I imagine there's time for people to fill in those gaps. It doesn't have to be everything all at once. Exactly. And it's really, well, legacy helps you. It's that decision-making framework. So it doesn't, and that's why legacy isn't philanthropy and philanthropy doesn't necessarily build the legacy that you're after anyway. So you, you have to 
be careful of giving for giving's sake and you have to give for a, with a clear purpose. Otherwise, it will just drain your resources. And so using legacy to guide where and how and when, as you have just outlined, give, where and how and when you can give and, and to get involved, but also where to step back. So, you know, I've used it directly. There's There's lots of phenomenal causes and I'm quite clear and, and conscientious in well that that's a line and that's that's not my not my priority right now which but the more that you're thinking about philanthropy and giving and volunteering the more we're we're um developing that capability and culture as Australia which again I think is is really important for us to continue to do. Are there one or two examples of legacy leaders that you think are worth celebrating or acknowledging and why? And they don't even have to be famous. They could be people you know in your community. Just to sort of share with us from a practical point of view some differences in in what legacy can actually look like. Yeah. (laughs) I've got um, two. I've got one very, very famous and then 345,000 very, very fabulous. So the famous, I, I couldn't go past Beyonce because the way she interprets the platform that she has worked so hard to create and signals her legacy in every single deal, in every single music video, in every single performance, Beyonce is not waiting to showcase black excellence. She is absolutely leading with her legacy in everything that she does. And I love that. So Bay Hive. (laughs) (laughs) And then day to day, you've, I mean, you, you're a member of Mums and Co. And I have the enormous privilege of seeing Australia, Australia's 345,000, you know, women are creating more businesses than men. There's 345,000 business owning mothers in Australia. And I know because I'm one as well. And the, the legacy of role modeling entrepreneurship and backing yourself and exploring new things and bringing people together in business and, you know, your marketing or I was reflecting on, on how many women in our community have, have launched their books this year. It's just incredible. And it's that kind of they're not waiting. Their legacy is, is absolutely now. And they haven't. I, I really take issue with the advice you can have it all but not all at once because mums and co at like so many, you know, mums and co members like so many women like Beyonce across the world have it all at once. And so I, I love how legacy can be that prioritisation framework to find more time to reduce the risk because you are, it's, it's all, and it's all at once. Um, so yeah, Beyonce and business owning mothers. Excellent. I love it. And maybe they all combine as well. <laughs> Beyonce should become a mums and co member. Come on. Oh, I'll, um, I'll, I'll put the it. shout out, I'll put it out there to the universe and I'll just tag her and see what happens in this episode. Just changing tack a little bit. What's the best advice that you've ever been given and why? And it doesn't even have to be about legacy. It could be about anything really. Mm. The best advice I've been given and why was pre-legacy. It was when I was working at the Barangaroo Delivery Authority by a wonderful mentor of mine, Biliana Smith. And Biliana taught me that you define your own success. And thinking about that now, it was 
probably is definitely a a precursor to this this legacy process and legacy framework but it I was a a young mom returning to the workforce and there was you know it it was a big big project and that advice you define your own success gave me that invitation to think about what I wanted rather than just being at work and you know you know being a lot more conscious and aware and involved Yes. Um, creating that success but then also that permission that I'm the boss <laughs> I definitely wasn't you know running everything but of my own life I define my own success so for the invitation and for the permission that that piece of advice gave me it's something that I reflect on very regularly and would pass on to everyone listening If we spoke again in a year, what would be your number one goal to have achieved and why that goal? (laughs) I wrote down to have hosted more parties. (laughs) Is this a post-lockdown catch-up? What's happening here? (laughs) I think so. But when you you ask that question of, you know, your opening question of what did you want to do when you, you know, when you were young, what did you want to be when you grew up? And it was just that feeling you know, that feeling of, of bringing people together. And the other thing I really enjoyed was the reflection on, you know, the question of do you think your legacy statement will, will stay the same and, and how different words can mean different things at different times. And so the other thing I hope in 12 months' time, I'm I'm curious to lean into that divine feminine side of my legacy and it's interesting seeing it, you know, it's So I heard it as a a spiritual coming out. I heard that described on on Instagram recently. And, yeah, so in 12 months' time, lots more parties and and that that confidence and that sense of really leaning into the divine feminine phrasing of my own legacy statement. As we wrap up our conversation today, what would be your final takeaway message on the politics of legacy? Your legacy is right now. And you don't need to have a big job to have a legacy. Our legacy is how we use our resources of time and money and that's how we lead. Yeah, I love that. Well, if you do want to connect further with Sarah, of course there'll be some details on our show notes. It's been a very deep philosophical conversation, which I love and hopefully our audience has too. Thank you so much for your time, Sarah. Thank you, Amber. Thanks so much for listening today. If you've enjoyed the politics of everything, I thrive on your feedback. So please add a short review and share the podcast with your network through Apple, Spotify, and all the usual suspects. I'm always on the hunt for new and diverse guests. So if you or someone you know has a fresh idea you're busting to get out there, please email me at amber at amberdanes.com and my crew will get back to you very soon.